amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to today's edition of the Cheapest Meal presented by Deep Fried Draft. My name is Brian Bosarge. Got a great show today. Uh, let's go ahead and bring him on without further ado. Our guest today is the owner-operator of DraftCountdown.com and the man who I have shared many a Grapeco with, Scott Wright. Uh, Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent, Brian. Thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah. Have it, uh, last, time, uh, last time I saw you was at the Senior Bowl. A uh, whole lot has happened with the Senior Bowl between the last time uh, you've been in Mobile, and uh, so well, we're going to get to that a little bit later. Um, Scott, uh, let's get right into it. Per the wonderful clock on your website, we're about 278 days away from the uh, 2019 draft. It, it just never ends, this process, does it? No, it really doesn't. But that's kind of one of the fun things about it, too. Just when you're sick and tired of talking about the old group of players and you feel like you've mined every little bit of data about them, you turn the page and you get a whole new set of players. And, you know, I've been spending the summer. I've got my initial database here. I've got a spreadsheet with hundreds of seniors and their career stats. And it's just so much fun. Uh, and It's tedious going through and getting all these career stats, but you it, it's so helpful. You really learn a lot about the upcoming class of players. And I already got five or six guys that I just think have outstanding, interesting stories. I can't wait to watch this fall. So uh, I'm pumped. I've got the itch again. I'm uh, I'm all ready for another season of pro and college football. <laughs> we're going to get in, definitely get into the 2019 draft in a little bit, but we're going to put a bow now on the 2018 draft. And I want you to tell me one to two teams that you think uh, made themselves contenders uh, with the players that they drafted in the uh, 18 draft class? Well, I, I don't know, necessarily know about contenders, but I, the one team that kind of stands out for me, and it, it's kind of like a broken record over the years, but I really like what the Baltimore Ravens did. Uh, I think they did an outstanding job uh, throughout, really, not only the early rounds, but middle, late rounds. I thought the Ravens did outstanding. Ozzie Newsom's kind of last hurrah there as a general manager. You know, I've been covering the draft for two decades, and in that time, I don't think anybody does it better than Ozzie Newsom, an Alabama guy. Uh, uh, he's just been the gold standard for GMs in the draft. I don't think anybody's done a better job of, of maximizing the value of his picks, and I think this was uh, this draft was just another kind of microcosm of that. Right from the very start, um, I, I mean, I actually didn't even love their – one of my least favorite picks of theirs was their first one, Hayden Hurst, the tight end from South Carolina. Good player, not the tight end I would have taken, but – 
I think it was masterful going up and getting Lamar Jackson. Um, I think that's a great situation for him, and I, I think there's a the potential there for him to, to really take the league by storm. I don't know if it's going to be this season or late in the year or next year, but um, uh, that, that's a pretty special situation for him. Uh, Orlando Brown, I understand he's not a great athlete, but you know he's going to be a, long, good play, a long-term starter for the Ravens there. I, I'd bet almost anything on that. Uh, and then the last pick, Zach Sheeler, the defensive end from Ferris State. I remember getting the tip while we were down at the Senior Bowl that he had entered the draft. Uh, you know, it wasn't a big news story or anything, but I watched him. I watched a couple games of him down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl on my laptop just because I wanted to check him out. And I remember being impressed. And sure enough, he was their last pick. So, so the, the Baltimore Ravens are definitely a, a one team that, that really stands out to me that, that I think crushed it. But uh, you know me, Brian. I, I, I'm definitely a positive guy, and, and I can find positive in every single draft class. Uh, you know, I might not like the first, second, third round pick, but I'll like the sixth or seventh rounder. But I think all throughout, the Ravens are the team that probably stands out most to me as uh, the team I like that they did. All right, well, let's flip that coin. You said you can find the positive, but there's got to be some negatives with somebody. So uh, who <laughs> screwed the pooch in the draft this year? Yeah, definitely. There's some teams that you have to uh, search a little harder to find those positives. And uh, for me this year, it's the Oakland Raiders. Uh, uh, the, the first pick, Colton Miller from UCLA, I, I thought he was overrated. I mean, he tests like a top 10, 15 overall pick. Just doesn't necessarily play like it. Uh, I thought they went early on P.J. Hall, their defensive tackle from Sam Houston State, who, I mean, he's incredibly productive and very fast and kind of a, a freakish physical specimen at that position. But, I mean, you take him that early, you're kind of, I, I don't want to say you're expecting Aaron Donald, but you see Aaron Donald in him, and I think that's uh, – that's asking a lot. Uh, I think that was probably a round or two or, uh, too early for him. Then they took another offensive tackle, a third round, Brandon Parker, another small school guy, earlier than they should have. They rolled the dice on Arden Key from LSU late in the third round. Don't have a real problem with that. The, the picks that I actually like of theirs were actually their their two fifth round, uh, their their fourth and fifth rounders. Uh, Nick Nelson, the cornerback from Wisconsin. Uh, you know he's a really good player. He got hurt during the pre-draft process, so uh, it was kind of out of sight, out of mind to a certain degree, but. Started his college career in Hawaii, and he was a really good player at Wisconsin. I think he would have gone in the, on day two in the second or third round if he hadn't got hurt. So I think that was good value for them in the fourth round. Then the fifth round, of course, Maurice Hurst, uh, the defensive tackle for Michigan. We will see how that works out with his medical situation, and they seem to be confident that it's not going to be an issue. Uh, I hope they're right. I mean, I, I hope Maurice Hurst fulfills his potential, but it's kind of a scary situation. There's a reason so many teams are so scared of him that uh, a top – 50, top 75 type of talent dropped all the way to the fifth round. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, the Raiders is definitely very unorthodox. And I think this, that draft kind of was a precursor of what was to come for the, the Raiders this whole – or not a precursor, but just kind of a, a going along with what the Raiders did this whole offseason. I think they made a number of head-scratching moves under uh, John Gruden. I think his, uh, his addition and his influence on the organization has – uh, been apparent this offseason in their strategy, and we'll see how it works out. You know, there's a lot of people are wondering, uh, including myself, has the game passed John Gruden by? Does, 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 is he prepared to compete at a high level in today's NFL? And uh, the way they performed in the draft in this offseason kind of makes me question it, but it'll be interesting to watch. But, yeah, the Raiders are definitely the team that kind of uh, stands out to me that I was not a fan of what they did. And, and uh, you know, the Cleveland Browns, too, uh, certainly. Um, it's not that they did poorly. It's just I don't think they maximized the value, uh, especially those top two picks. Uh, coming away with Baker Mayfield at one and Denzel Ward at four, both really good players. But 
I mean, of all the combinations of players they could have taken with two of the top four picks in the draft, that was probably pretty far down the list of the combinations I would have preferred. So, um, it, it, so, so that's probably one of my biggest problems with most teams like the Browns, even the Indianapolis Colts. I, I love their first pick, Quentin Nelson, the offensive guard from Notre Dame, the best guard prospect I've ever seen. Um, but even so, they had all these other premium picks in the second round. Uh, and I just don't know if they absolutely maximize them. They didn't necessarily take the players I would have. So, so more, more often than not, when I'm trying to criticize the team, it's just little nits, nits that I like to pick. Uh, it, very rarely does a team really just do horrible. But if I had to identify one, it would be the Raiders this year. Yeah, you mentioned the Colts and their second-round picks. I actually preferred their undrafted free agent signing, Sky Moore, at linebacker, to their uh, player they drafted at 35 or 36, uh, Darius Leonard. I mean, I like Darius Leonard, but I just did not think he was the 36th best player in the NFL draft. Yeah, and, and uh, let's, I like let's Darius get some... too. Was... Oh, sorry, I, I was just going to say, I like Darius Leonard, too. No, no, I was no. really impressed with him down at the Senior Bowl. Uh, uh, you know, it's just a little early. It was probably, you know, half a round, a round too early. And I think my bigger problem was with the Braden Smith pick at 37. I think they saw that run on offensive line, and like a lot of teams did, I think teams reached a little bit, and I think they were definitely one of those. I think they even admitted during their post-draft press conference that he was the last starting caliber guard or whatever they had on their board. So they're like, we need one, another one, we're going to take him. Uh, I think they reached a little bit there. Uh, even Tomoko Ture in the second round, he's clearly a second-round talent, but an underachiever. If he plays like he did down at the Senior Bowl, they're going to be happy with that. If he plays like he did the last, what, two, three years of his college career, they're going to be disappointed. Taekwon Lewis in the second round, he's a good player. I don't know if he's a second-round pick. I don't know if he's going to make that type of impact for you. So just little myths like that uh, with the Colts, but uh, but they nailed their first pick. <laughs> right. Let's get some predictions on the record, Scott. Who's going to be the offensive rookie of the year? Well, it's hard to go against Saquon Barkley, right? So I'm not going to go with that one. That's that's. I, I don't want to – be too easy. So I'm going to go a little bit further down, and um, I, I really like Rashad Penny. You know, I, I was a fan of his uh, all along. And, and in fact, leading up to the draft, I, I always got to ask, who's going to be this year's Alvin Kamara? Who's going to be this year's Kareem Hunt, that running back that goes on the second day of the draft who outperforms? And he was a guy I always mentioned. Lo and behold, he goes late in the first round. Uh, I think he went into a great situation. So he's definitely uh, near the top of the list. I think Darius Geis is in a really good situation. But the name I'm going to go with is uh, Royce Freeman, the running back from Oregon. And not necessarily because of talent. I think he's a good player. He went in the third round, but great situation. Um, he's got a chance to go in there and be the bell cow for Denver. And similar, I think, in some ways to, to maybe Kareem Hunt going to the Chiefs last year, where it, with running backs, it's not just about talent. It's also about the situation and opportunity. So, uh, so I think Royce Freeman uh, is a guy who's maybe not getting a lot of buzz right now, who's got an opportunity to make a big impact and one other running back a little bit later down that I would mention is Jordan Wilkins, uh, the running back from Ole Miss. He went in the fifth round of the Colts. There's a lot of uncertainty in that backfield, short and long term. And they drafted another running back around earlier with Naeem Hines from NC State, but more of a jack-of-all-trades guy. I don't think he's going to be that workhorse. So uh, keep an eye on Jordan Wilkins. I think in their post-draft press conference, uh, the Colts, uh, maybe it was Chris Ballard, compared him to Matt Forte, which is pretty high praise. And you see uh, similarities there in the way they are built. He's six five or six foot and a half, 216 pounds. He ran a four five. So keep an eye on Jordan Wilkins as maybe that day three running back pick who comes out of nowhere and starts putting up some good numbers. If of course, as, as, as I say, he gets that opportunity. 
Right. You are you are very correct with the opportunity, and it's always a running back, right, rookie of the year, because quarterbacks generally don't get the start. Receivers, if receivers have a great year, it's because the quarterback got them there, so it's always the running backs that win offensive rookie of the year. Similar to defense, which I'm going to ask you now, it's almost always a linebacker, so who's going to be the defensive rookie of the year? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, and, I mean, uh, Roquan Smith, I mean, I think he's a pretty good pick. I think he's going to be the uh, – the, the, the star of that defense for Chicago, and he just he's so fun to watch. Anybody who watched him in college understands what he brings to the table. He just flies all over the field and, uh, and makes plays. He's everything you want in a modern-day NFL linebacker. So, um, you know, I, I talked about how for a, a player like that, an off-the-ball linebacker who's not also a top pass rusher, to go that early – they have to be special. I mean, uh, Luke Kuechly type of special. And I think Luke Kuechly won rookie of the year. And that's the guy Roquan Smith has kind of been compared to to some degree. So uh, I think Roquan Smith would, would absolutely be my pick in that regard. Uh, and I think he'd be the strong favorite. I, I don't even think there's a close second, really. I think he's a heavy, heavy favorite to be defensive rookie mm-hmm. of the year right now. I, I'm just trying to think who I would pick as, as even a, a second. Uh, maybe Leighton Vanderesh from the Cowboys. I think he's going to have a good situation there to go into. Uh, but but you're right. I mean, linebackers have that opportunity to rack up tackles. And uh, um, so those would be the two guys I guess I'd highlight for defensive rookie of the year. How about you? Do you got somebody I didn't mention? Uh, no, it's it's Roquan for me. Like, like I, it's almost – if you were betting on that, it almost wouldn't even be worth putting money down on that because he's going to be such the heavy favorite, I would imagine. Um, I can't think – I mean, maybe – no. Just because of the story? He starts putting spe- up the numbers? Spe- spe- See, it, he's going to – I mean, I, I seriously doubt he sees much on the defensive side of the field his first year. I, I, I can't see him being outside much of special teams as a rookie, especially as a fifth-round pick. I mean, that's where he was drafted at as a, as a fifth-rounder. He was drafted to play special teams, you know, and maybe be a sub-defensive guy. But I, I can't see him putting up the numbers he's going to need. Um. To be I, might, of the year. I might be drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit on him just because it's such a great story and I'm rooting for the guy and I never want to bet against him. But I don't know. I, I got a little higher expectations for him this year than you do. I think he's going to get more playing time than you do. And, and not only that, I think he's going to get the opportunity to rush the passer a little bit. And, you know, if he starts getting some little splash pays, plays behind the line of scrimmage, you know, if he gets a half a dozen sacks and some, you know, in just these situational pass rushing opportunities or something – Keep an eye on him, just because, too, you know, I mean, he's probably the most well-known, even though he was a fifth-round pick, he might be right. the most well-known defensive prospect in this draft <laughs> outside of the standard no, no, you're right. guys like us, right? Right. If, you, if, if he gets the opportunities, like you said, to play more on, in, the, in the defensive situation, maybe, because definitely the name and the story will, will get him, you don't want to say sympathy votes, but people that know the story but don't know who anything about anybody else I, I could see that as, a, as an argument for uh, Shaquem Griffin. It's going to be fun uh, to watch. Let's shift gears. I, start, I started this podcast uh, a couple of months ago, basically as NFL draft-centric, as that's all I was planning on talking about. But then I found that the audience that I was building and the more I talked about different stuff, I found a different audience. So college football huge down here in the South, as you know. Um, so I, I've kind of – added in some college football talk 
So we're going to shift gears now. I don't talk about Notre Dame a lot. You're the only person I know that actually likes Notre Dame because most people just hate Notre Dame. So let's talk about uh, the Fighting Irish a little bit. Uh, what can we expect from them in 2018? Oh, well, and, and for those who don't know, Notre Dame is my team. It's the one sports team I live and die with uh, since since childhood. Uh, I rock your smile was my was my introduction to Notre Dame. And I tell you, a few years ago when they got thumped by Alabama in the national championship game, I had to come down to the Senior Bowl a couple weeks later into enemy territory there and see all those Crimson Tide fans uh, crowing about how happy they were. But uh, it was tough. But, you know, usually going into the seasons for Notre Dame, I, I'm pretty optimistic, too optimistic probably, my fan comes out, but this year I'm not. Uh, I'm a little scared, and it's because of the way uh, the quarterback Brandon Wimbush played last year. Uh, for those who didn't watch, it was it was downright ugly at times. I mean, he couldn't throw the ball. <laughs> and it, it really just came down to that, and I think it was more of a mental thing than anything, which is almost more scary than if it was a technical issue that he could fix, and I'm rooting for him because by all accounts, he's a team leader. He's a great kid, uh, but Boy, I mean, based on the way he played last year, I am really concerned. And, and if he doesn't flip the switch, they're going to have to go to their backup quarterback who actually started the bowl game last year, who's, you know, he's kind of a Tommy Reese type of player who, who for those who, Notre Dame people who remember him, he's probably more of a, a, ideally a backup type of quarterback. But they just had no other options last year. They had to go to someone else. And then the dark horse, if the wheels really fall off, they got a true freshman named Phil Jerkovich, who they really like, who's coming in, who's kind of this, 6'4", prototypical pocket passer, pretty good athlete. But, boy, if they're starting a freshman quarterback, that's probably a bad sign. So I'm a little worried about my Irish this year. Uh, obviously, they lost those two top ten picks on the offensive line, but they recruited really well on the offensive line. They're not, they don't have Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson ready to plug in, but they won't miss a step there. The one thing I am excited about is for Notre Dame is the defense this year, which hasn't been the case for five, ten years. They've had some real struggles, but last year they brought in a new defensive coordinator who – Unfortunately, only stayed one season, um, and he took a <laughs> higher-paying gig at Texas A&M. Got that SEC money, baby, SEC he, money. He, he sure did, man. He kept going back to Notre Dame for more money, and finally Notre Dame said, okay, go ahead. Uh, but they hired his assistant, uh, who's a, a guy named Clark Lee, who was a linebacker's coach last year. He's going to keep a lot of the same stuff in place. And, you know, Notre Dame has some talent on defense uh, for, for those who like the draft like us. Uh, they had a couple guys who had a chance to go pro last year that they talked into coming back. Uh, Jerry Tillery, the defensive tackle, and Tavon Coney, the linebacker especially. And Tillery is interesting, just a, a jumbo athlete. I mean, he's 6'6", 300, well over 300 pounds. He moves really well. He can play nose. He can play the three. The question mark with him is going to be how much does he love football? And I, I always struggle with these types of conversations because you hate to downgrade players for being well-rounded people and having other interests outside of football. But as you know, Brian, in the NFL, coaches and scouts, they don't necessarily like that. They want you to be a football machine, and Jerry Tiller is not that. He's, like I say, he's a well-rounded guy. So I think that could be the question mark with him. But, you know, I remember before Jerron Jones' senior year, a lot of people were talking him up as a potential early-round pick, but never lived up to that potential. I think he had that type of talent. Uh, just didn't have the intangibles and that X factor to live up to that. And it's kind of going to be the same situation with Jerry Tiller. And we'll see last year, he started to turn it on. He had a really good junior season. So if he can continue that, he can be the prospect that Jerron Jones was supposed to be. Uh, and then Tavon Coney, uh, I think has a chance to be a day two pick as well, but I don't know if we're going to see any uh, first rounders necessarily from the Irish this year, but uh 
yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting type of season. It's going to be transitional to a certain degree, but as with all teams and all levels of football, whether it be high school, pro, NFL, it's, it's going to all come down to the quarterback from Notre Dame, I guess. Yeah, speaking of uh, you, you mentioned Nelson and McGlinchey, both top ten picks on the offense side. You talked about a couple of potential defensive prospects there. You had a couple of underclassmen come out. Uh, Josh Adams, the running back, went undrafted, probably should have came back. You had uh, Equinemius St. Brown, redshirt sophomore wide receiver, came out early, drafted in the fifth round, probably should have went back to school. So, I mean, are there any offensive prospects uh, for Notre Dame this year? Well, you mentioned Equinemius St. Brown, and I think one of the reasons he dropped is similar to the same thing I was talking about with, with Jerry Tillery, where, you know, he's kind of a well-rounded guy. He's got interest out of football, and I think people questioned how committed he was to the game. And I think that's a big reason why he dropped, because Equinemius St. Brown, I think he did everything he could have during the pre-draft process to, to make a strong case for himself. He ran really well, and he's an impressive athlete. So, uh uh, on offense for Notre Dame, uh, it, you know, some offensive linemen again. Uh, they have one of the top centers in the country, uh, senior center Sam Bustifer, um, who I think is going to be pro- – I think he will be drafted. I don't think he's going to be uh, an early round. I think he's probably going to be more of a mid- to late-round pick, but I think he will be drafted. Uh, same for the offensive guard, Alex Bars. I think he's more of a late-round pick. Um, and, and then they're young, uh, really, uh, at the skill positions, both wide receiver and running back. They're really young, so – um, offensively, I mean, those are going to be two guys to watch. And then tight end, too. They have this tight end named Alize Mack, uh, who, yes, coming out of high school, he was a big-time recruit and uh, had some off-the-field troubles. He wound up redshirting the season because he wasn't eligible. But, boy, it, it's just you're waiting for it to click. And it, it hasn't clicked. But if it ever does, he's got the talent to be as good as just about any tight end in the country. Uh, but, I mean, there's a complete and total uh, lottery ticket uh, he could be a, he could be a, an early round pick. He could be a priority free agent, uh, and and everything in between. So uh, he's I think the intriguing guy on in that offense who could go you know who could really shoot up if it starts to click for him. But uh, yeah, I think for Notre Dame this year, NFL draft wise, the story is going to be on defense and even underclassmen wise. I mentioned the seniors and Tillery and Coney. Um, they've got an underclassman, a cornerback by the name of Julian Love, who's a really good player. So, uh, uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be about defense, NFL draft-wise, for the Irish this year. All right, let's full dive into the 2019 draft. I know you've, uh, you've said you've only done your prelim work, uh, but who are, who are a couple players you're really looking forward to doing a deep dive into? Yeah, and, you know, some of the small school guys definitely stood out as I was going through and doing research that I didn't know a lot about yet. Uh, uh, I'll start, you know, it's not necessarily the big name, but I'll start by telling you one of the coolest stories I found uh, just to put a guy in your radar. And he's actually a player. He's in my backyard in Minnesota. He's at a small school uh, a few hours south of me in Minnesota State, Mankato. His name is Casey Bednarski. He's a kicker. But uh, here, stay with me. Hear me out. You know, I know it's not everyone doesn't like to talk about kickers, but this kicker is 6'1", 230. He runs a 4.55. He's got Clay Matthews hair, and he kicked a 63-yard field goal last year. <laughs> so so that definitely stood out. I'm going to be making the uh, trek down to Minnesota State Mankato to check him out. But, uh, you know, just in terms of, of the top guys, I mean, you know, uh, where do you want to start, quarterbacks? I mean, uh, I think the big question, you know, Justin Herbert from Oregon, um, you know, Drew Locke from Missouri is the top senior, had a chance to come out and maybe be a top 50 pick last year. And, you know, I, like I said, I haven't taken really deep dives on any of these guys yet, and partly it's because I don't want to do too much film review before their senior year because – I think it's unfair to a certain degree to them because 
their college career isn't completed. They've still had this whole summer to, to, to put the final touches on their game. So I'd really just try to do preliminary field, uh, film work. But who do you want to talk about in the, the senior class? Is there a position or players that, uh, that you want to get a hit on? I, t- I, w- I want to give you one guy I want you to watch. I want you to yeah. go out of your way to find some New Mexico State game this year. I want you to watch uh, senior safety Ronald Force. I'm a little biased here. Okay. He's a, he's undersized, but the guy played at my high school. Not many players from my high school have gone on to the NFL. I think we've had only one that's actually played in a regular season NFL game. But this guy, he 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 plays. I want to say he plays out of position, but because of his size, he's probably playing in the right position. But he plays like a in the box strong safety, but he plays deep center field uh, for. New Mexico State, but this guy he covers so much ground. I would love to see like the the when they put the little things on their suits to see how much ground they cover on a play, just to see how much ground he covers on a play. Because this guy is he runs more than they do soccer guys doing the World Cup. It's crazy how much ground he covers on a single play. Well, that's, I got him on my I got him on my list. He's in my spreadsheet. I got his career stats. I know he was a JUCO player last year. Was his first year at New Mexico State. So. He's on the radar. <laughs> I'm ready to watch yeah, him. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I did a little. I did a little write up on him uh, earlier this week, and it's uh, a good kid. I'd love to see him down in Mobile. I mean, there is the local connection there. I don't know if that if that's enough to get him there, but uh, I'd, I'd love to see him down there. It's uh, he's he's a great player, but like I said, his his size is going to be the 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 limit for him because he's listed at six one. Not buying that, but. Uh, <laughs> He's uh, only listed at 187, so you know he's probably less than that too, and that's just not uh, a good enough size to play uh, safety in the NFL. But special teams, I think he has a chance there. Um, well, I was just going to say I was looking at kind of a list of some. Of my, I was just gonna, I was looking at a list of some of my uh, my seniors too, as, as you were talking, you talked about the force and. Uh, you know, I mean, Trey Adams, the offensive tackle from Washington. I think had he not gotten hurt last year, he probably would have come out and. He might have been the second tackle off after McGlinchey. I think he was a better player than Colton Miller. Not as physically talented. He wasn't going to test as well, but I think the film was more impressive. So I think Trey Adams, he's probably going to be one of my top three to five seniors going into next year. Uh, Christian Wilkins from Clemson, I actually think he's a little overrated. Uh, that might be a little bit of a hot take. Uh, you know, I think he's a big name, uh, and he's a good player, don't get me wrong, but I don't see that top ten type of talent. Um, I think – I, I think he's more of a, a top 50 type of grade, I guess I would put on him right now. So I think a lot of others probably have him a little higher than I do. Um, Paris Campbell from Ohio State, he's a player I'm really looking forward to seeing just because he's such an athlete. Uh, I mean, as we know, Ohio State is loaded with with athletes. But when they ask people on the team, he's one of the two guys that, that all his teammates highlight. I mean, he made Bruce Feldman's uh, freak list, annual freak list. You know, they said his sub four four forty time doesn't do him justice. He's got 40, 40-inch verts, 11-3 broad. Uh, last year he had 18 plays of 20-plus yards or more. So uh, just really fast. So I think he's going to be interesting. I think he could be maybe a DJ Chark type of prospect in this draft. Uh, so I think he's a guy to watch out for. So, so those, those are a few more senior names. Zach Allen from Boston College, another guy. Had he come out last year, maybe had been a first-round pick. Another guy, though, not necessarily a dynamic sack artist, which I think might it might hurt him and lose some of his luster as this process goes on, and maybe isn't that 
top five, top ten overall pick, like maybe some have speculated. But it, it, it's a fun senior class. Uh, uh, it's not going to be as loaded at the skill position next year, I don't think, with the quarterbacks and the running backs. But uh, uh, there's some good players in the senior class, as always. And one name that I, uh, uh, one other name I'll mention for the 2019 class is Clellan Farrell. Uh, he was a redshirt sophomore last year for Clemson. He could have come out, and had he, and I really think he might have been. He, he might have been better prospect than Marcus Davenport. I think he might have gone ahead of Marcus Davenport, who went, what, 14th overall, and the same straight a future first-round mm-hmm. pick to move up for him. So, Colin Farrell, he might have been the highest-rated player that went back to school because um, he would have gone very early last year. So, that Clemson defensive line is just loaded. I mean, you can make an argument they could have four first-round picks. No, I completely agree. And uh, you've named some players in this year's senior class, and uh, some of those guys are going to end up down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. So let's close on this question. Uh, Do you expect any difference uh, with Jim Nagy now running the show uh, in place of Phil Savage, who's on to the Alliance of American Football? Yes, that's a good question. And I I guess the answer is I'm not sure. I imagine there's going to be some changes. I think with a new person coming in, there's going to be uh, some differences in in mindset. And I think we saw differences with Phil Savages over the years. And we talked about this, how uh, I think one clear thing Phil did was he put an emphasis on bringing in more small school prospects uh, than they used to. And, and, and maybe towards the end, he almost went a little too far bringing in some, some borderline guys that he shouldn't have. But overall, I like that strategy because I always say, by the time we get to late January, Brian, I know as much as pretty much I need to know about the guys from Georgia and and Notre Dame and Michigan and USC. I want to see Darius Leonard. I I want to see these small school guys on the bigger stage and and, and answer some of those questions. So I I, I think, uh, you know, that that was one of the great things Phil Savage did for the game was increase that. I hope that's something Jim Nagy continues, maybe not 12, 15, but, you know, 10, 8 to 10 small schoolers every year I think is a, a reasonable number. But, it's going to be interesting to see how his approach changes. Uh, I, I, and I guess the biggest impact he can have on the game, other than just, you know, the schedule and the systems, but just for, for draft fans, the biggest act, impact he can have is roster construction, right? Um, how is he going to put out offers earlier or later? Maybe he can sweet talk some of these, these agents and top seniors into coming to play that others have been unsuccessful <laughs> in doing so in recent years. I wish him the best luck in that regard. I, um, I think Phil Savage had hopes for that too until uh, he found out the reality of the situation. But, 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 have you heard anything down there in Mobile about his uh, plan of attack? Has he talked to you yet about uh, how he might run things differently, or are we just going to have to kind of wait and see how it plan- plays out for a year? No, it's pretty much a wait and see approach. Is uh, the uh, way they've been going about it. I mean, it's, at this point, the only talk about the Senior Bowl here in the, since he's been hired is where's the game going to be played three years from now. That's the only thing that they've really been talked about. So, um, so we well, got that know, we to look forward to, I guess. For a long time. What, if, if he came to you, Brian, and asked you, what's one change you would recommend making to the game? What would you say? And I kind of got one in mind, too. Do you got something on top of your head that you would – you know, if you were going to make one change to the game? Off the top of my head, I can't really, I mean, because, I mean, we talked about maybe he's invited too many small school guys, but then it's like, Mm -hmm. then you look at the numbers that our good buddy Pigskin Paul put out the other day at at uh, gbnreport.com was uh, the Shrine game only had eight more guys drafted than the NFLPA game this year, which is, to me, yeah. really low for the Shrine game. So 
are we really losing out on any guys from the shrine not going up to the senior bowl in place of some of these small school guys? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the only thing I believe they can do that senior bowl is they really they've got to do something to market the game better and get the attendance back up because that that to me locally is a it's a big thing. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that has changed a little bit too. The the local interest in the years I've been going down there, I think you know, ten fifteen years ago it was a lot more 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 rabid, um, but it's still a great experience and stuff. But I think there's some improvements to be made there for for that, but. I guess if it were me, and, and like you said, you talked about some of the numbers, there's some good players out there that, that they didn't invite or they couldn't get in. So I guess my biggest recommendation would be plan, and, and not that Phil Savage didn't plan ahead, but put more, even more focus into planning ahead and having a good backup list. So when guys do drop out late and when guys do get hurt, which as you know, that happens throughout the week, they're constantly bringing guys, have a really good player on the ready. You know, you don't have to bring in a fringe guy who has little or no chance of being drafted or that, I mean, I'm not going to say any names, but, I mean, I was talking to people from Steam Bowl last year. They brought in guys late that they admitted had, this guy's going to be lucky if he gets in a camp. And I understand, you know, it's late in the process, uh, but, I mean, could they spend maybe a little more money to have 10 guys in a hotel in Mobile, Alabama, train there for a week, and if somebody gets hurt, bring them in. I mean, that, I guess that would be my biggest thing, just because some of the replacements, I think, in recent years have been pretty sketchy, and I think they could do better just looking at the talent that they didn't invite. I think they left some on the table, uh, especially with, as you said, the Shrine game in the NFLPA not necessarily doing as well as they should be um, of, of, of picking up the scraps afterwards. So I guess that would be, would be my recommendation if, if, uh, if Maggie asked my humble opinion, but, uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it changes. And, uh, um, it's been a while now. I mean, Phil's been there for a while. So it's, it's I imagine he's going to have uh, some ideas for things he wants to implement. And I'm looking forward to January and, and seeing the differences. I'll name a name. Miles Pierce from the Citadel never should have been in the senior bowl this year. Um, <laughs> Scott, uh, tell everybody where they can find your work. Throwing poor Miles under the bus, Brian. I wasn't going to put out any names, but, uh, yeah, there were a couple of them. Uh, yeah, uh, as I said, uh, my, my name is Sky Wright. You can read my stuff at draftcountdown.com. I'm getting ready to relaunch with 2019 information here coming soon. Whole new crop of prospects to talk about. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, at Draft Countdown. Uh, all the same uh, username, make it easy for you. So, uh, yeah, check me out uh, throughout the fall here, and uh, it's going to be fun. A whole new season of, of draft to cover, uh, crazy amount of storylines, and it's going to be a fun New Year coverage. Scott, I always enjoy, uh, always enjoy talking draft with you, and thanks for taking time out today for coming on The Cheapest Meal. My pleasure. Anytime, Brian. That was Scott Wright of DraftCountdown.com, a good friend of uh, Deep Fried Draft, and all, like I said, always enjoy talking ball with him. Next week, Great episode. Uh, we've got uh, from WW, WWL in New Orleans, uh, Saints LSU talk. Mike Dettelier going to come on the show. Can't wait for that. Uh, hope you tune in. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's edition of The Cheapest Meal, presented by Deep Fried Draft. Follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft and DeepFriedDraft.com. Thanks for listening, everybody.
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.